Belletero Pickle, episode 76. We have special guest Brandon Geyer with us talking all things mental performance. It's a great episode, tons of value. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 76. We're getting up there in numbers. We have a special guest with us, but first I have to introduce Chris because he gets mad. Chris is with us as always. Special guest, Brandon Geyer, former Major League player, currently with the Major League Mindset. We're going to dig into all his stuff. Should I throw it to, I'll throw it to Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for joining just, us. Wait a minute. Time out. You just asked if I wanted the intro. I would have smashed that way better than you. No offense. I'm a harsh person. You guys called my voice harsh. You call me harsh. This is all the pre-show stuff. BG, you see this? This stuff I got to deal with. Oh, man. I feel bad for you, man. If you, I, I gave you the opportunity. I'm not the high energy guy. You're more of a high energy guy. It's okay. You know what? It's going to be all right. Uh, you know what's exciting? is I feel like when you get to episode like 97 to 100, so we're close to that. That's when people start getting sponsorships and, and and start getting their podcast picked up. So we're right on the cusp, I think. Especially now that we have PG on the show, this is gonna this is gonna just it's gonna do that or just take you way down. It could it's one or the other, you know. I, I mean, and you know what? Either way is okay because I'm gonna enjoy myself. That's, what, that's all that really matters. I don't really care about our audience. Whatsoever. Um, I certainly don't care about the people that keep telling me that they know everything there is to know about baseball and that the strike zone needs to be automated and that robots need to play oh people are saying that stuff uh no we have a we have a couple people the uh the commissioner of the atlantic league did an interview with somebody in venezuela i think saying that he thinks the automated strike zone is ready for major league baseball Mm. that the players we could this is actually a good topic that players have always said they don't care if it's wrong as long as it's consistent and that the automated strike zone provides the most consistent strike zone possible, even though it calls a ball a strike if it bounces. Uh, thoughts as, as two former major league players. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion. Dude, I think of that. I just think of these pitchers with nasty curveballs. They're just going to be like bouncing it, touching the bottom of the zone. It's going to be a strike all the time, but not a pitch you can really hit. It's like a video game. Like, where where is the strike zone? Is it the front plane? Can a guy, like, drop it in the top? Like, where does the strike zone start? Yeah. Can it, can it enter vertically? Like, so Have they used it in the, in the league before, in the Atlantic League? Yeah, they used it last year in the Atlantic League, and the, I think it was the year before that, too. What do the players think of it? Anyone come out and say anything? There was some bad stuff. I mean, first of all, offensive numbers in the Atlantic League were – like way up. And I, and I don't know if that was because every good pitcher in the Atlantic league got picked up because they needed to last year or because I'm sure it had to do with both. But so I watched some calls, uh, Jordan Pacheco, you remember Jordan Pacheco? I don't know who he played with, but he was a big time prospect for a while. He was in the midst of, uh, I want to say it was three or four, just atrocious calls, like ball, like a ball that bounced, um, another one was a ball, a catcher reached all the way across. And it, it was definitely a misfire. And I mean, they were using track man in the, in the Atlantic league cause they don't have Hawkeye, but, um, there were some bad calls, like really bad. And the umpires had nothing to do about it. The, 
thing that I've continued to say and will continue to say since the beginning of this, and you tell me what you think on this. The umpire gets to call his own game. The players get appeals during the game if they don't like the call, and then that gives time to go to the, you know, whatever reading it is that's on TV, whoever, the K-Zone reading, which is FX, which can't be applied to real time. But we should, as hitters, you should get like three appeals a game or two appeals a game, and pitchers should get 10 or whatever it is. On balls and strikes? Yeah. Dude, that would take forever. Like in tennis. Like in tennis where they just go. Yeah. Point up to the thing. They go, yeah, big time. Good. You don't think they have a quick? You basically get the broadcast version of the strike zone. If if it's a strike, just click a green light. If it's a ball, click a red light and move on. Okay, so you're saying it'd be something quick quick and efficient. Like it's not going to take. Basically like point up to the press box and give it it one of these. Check it. Yeah. I mean, if a pitcher's in the zone and working fast, maybe you're just a hitter. You just do it on purpose to get him out of his rhythm or yeah. something, you know? You both your appeals left in the seventh inning. You use them both in the same at bat. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. i got to tie my shoe now. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't understand the obsession with baseball trying to speed up the game. It's, and really, I was talking to, I was talking to a hitting coach, a, a hitting coach that kind of played in the big leagues for a while, a couple of days ago, and he said, he's like, it's those damn commercials. It's all about those damn commercials that got to make money. And I get it. But he he said the smartest thing I've ever heard. He said, why, why don't, you know, they're doing those box frames with the ads. Why don't they just do that during the games? I said, that's probably a good idea. They've been good doing idea. that more with mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the in-game, in-stadium view where the commercial will just kind of slot on the side and mm-hmm. they keep the picture of the game, which I like because it makes it feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. More so than just watching the same four commercials the entire game, which is, ends up happening. Yeah. Anyway. What are your uh, what are your general thoughts on the lockout right now? Technically, we're we're allowed to talk. This is, you're like the first guest we're allowed to talk about it with. You're not working for a team, are you? Nope, not currently. Okay, That's smirk. So let's talk about the lockout. What do we got, dude? If I'm gonna be honest, I haven't been following it a lot. <laughs> um, so what do I have? Um, I don't obviously want to get them back out there and play. Um, had some guys come on um, the major league mindset sessions on Sundays. They don't say much about it. They don't hear, they haven't heard anything. Um, and then I just talked to them off the session through text. They literally just don't, don't know what's going on. Um, don't know how close it's going to be. Um, so what do I got on it? I mean, dude, I'm kind of like a a hermit in a way, like I'm just so locked into what I'm doing. I don't follow much of the news. So I don't know like the big details of what's going on, the biggest, you know, bargaining points for each side. Um, so you, I have to ask you, what do you, what do you got on it? Like you fill me in. I just care that they fix my situation. That's the only thing that I care about. I don't care how much money anybody makes. Literally, I don't care unless they take care of my situation. I'm being selfish. Yeah, I'm a harsh person. We just talked about that. So, <laughs> so, so, what is it with your situation? What, what do you mean by that? How, how would they fix stuff? There's a whole proposal to to adjust to JDA accordingly for the guys that got suspended for the same thing that I got suspended for, and. So that's really my only vested interest in it. Um, mm-hmm. Are people still, is that still happening? Yeah, there were two, three more last year. And uh, one of the guys that came back from from his suspension was very adamant about his position. He, Kent Emanuel, he pitched for the Astros and now he's with the Phillies, but he wore number zero when he came back to pitch uh, to represent the number of days that he should have been suspended for. It kind of caught some steam, but mm-hmm. um yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's abundantly clear now that it's a problem. But 
it's been held as this bargaining chip, which is just what's annoying about the whole situation uh, to me, right? Like they 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 use real life stuff to as bargaining chips, and that's probably why the games lost a little cachet. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, big uh, outside of that, the big talking points are service time manipulation to to eliminate players incentive for that, eliminate incentive for tanking, and then uh, pre arb pay getting the league minimum bumped up because it seems like the the gap between the high end players and the the guys just getting there is getting wider. So those are the big, I think those are the biggest things. The players don't like the guy that teams are tanking. They don't like service time manipulation and the guys that are just trying to hang on and get started. How many times did you get sent up and down when you first started? Your- Dude, it was a yo-yo for a while there. Um, it would be like every time, I almost felt like when we were playing CC Zabathia and it brought me up right-handed hitter to face CC, go back down. So it was a yo-yo for a while. Um, I had to type before I was out of options, man, it was, it was a lot. I, I don't know exactly how much, but is that one of the things they're trying to do where you can't just keep going up and down? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the idea. So, I mean, we've both you and I have kind of understanding of the experience. I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to change the option rule itself, but it's about how, how do we not manipulate service time? Right. And I think no matter what exists as a formula or as a system, somebody's going to try to, cheated or mm-hmm. we'll find a way around it. around it yeah so mm-hmm. um I, i'm kind of like you though I, i'm outside the core economics i don't i pay attention to what comes in front of me but i i don't i care that that the game do better that's what i care about just yes. to, you know i don't care necessarily about who's getting paid and who's not because mm-hmm. they, ain't, they ain't paying us no more <laughs> maybe the royalties yeah, yeah. We need. You think if we, if I get uh, if we get thrown in the video game, we're still gonna get some dough. So. Ooh, there you go. Anyway, yeah. let's get into your story a little bit, Brandon. So you're doing the major league mindset now. I want to know if you want to intro that a little bit more and talk about what that is, and then how did you get there? So I know I actually I read your Wikipedia page. I know you set the single single game touchdown record for your high school. So you, you had a football background, you had a journey to the big leagues, playing in college, had a lot of success at the high school baseball level. What's the, what has your journey been from, you know, coming through high school, coming through college, getting drafted to build up to the, to what you're doing now. So let's, let's dig yeah. into that. Cause I think yeah. that story, I, I love getting into it and like talking about failure. Cause a lot of kids, they see big leaguers and they think it might be a smooth ride and it's not always a smooth ride. So. Very curious mm-hmm. a little more about your your journey. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so I feel like a lot of times when people think of big leaguers' career, they think of maybe college and then what they've done in either professional minor league ball or the big leagues. But you know, it, it goes back to high school. So those first three years did pretty good football wise, but baseball wise, I think as a junior I hit two seventy. Going into senior year, had had zero scholarships, um, scholarship offers, and. I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is my last time um, to really be all in and to put, you know, show what I can do. Cause if not, my baseball career is over. So um, going into senior year, read some of the books, I'm sure everyone's heard of like heads up baseball, the mental keys of hitting all that kind of stuff. Ken Revisa and Harvey Dorfman. Um, mm-hmm. And then really read it, but then 
took massive action um, when it came to the mental game because I I was struggling with what I feel like are the four root problems that a lot of young athletes and a lot of older athletes struggle with. And that's like the fear of failure or making a mistake, um, lack of routines, the inability to handle adversity, um, then the lack of self-discipline. So going into senior year, I tried to really work on all of those, um, like really went all in brought my lunch to school. So I wasn't eating that garbage in the cafeteria. Um, Just really tried to get a lot better at handling failure. Cause I know that the confidence issues I was having, that that was just symptoms of the bigger problem. Um, And it really came down to that fear of failure, not wanting to make a mistake um, and just really the inability to handle it in general. Um, So once I made that little shift of avoiding adversity and all of a sudden looking at it as an advantage and learning, finding ways to learn from everything that happened, because that's ultimately what fuels our growth. um, It changed everything. I went off senior year, um, ended up going to the University of Virginia, and, um, quite honestly, I want to play both football and baseball there, but I decided just baseball, um, and then continued to get into the mental game, continued to get into nutrition and all that stuff. Like those two things I was really obsessed with my whole career. Um, and then that, that doesn't mean it weren't challenges. It was, you know, there was definitely times I hit rock bottom, um, throughout the whole journey, whether it was high school, college, minor league ball, um, in the big leagues, stuff like that. But it was just the, the mental side of the game that I was really obsessed with, um, and knew that, you know, while I had some physical talent, it was that that was going to get me to the big leagues and stay there. Um, so um, being that I was really into that and was fortunate to work one on one with guys like Ken Revisa um, and then since retiring, getting to know Brian Kane and other guys, um, this that's what I was obsessed with. So I started in 2020 when I retired a company called Fully Equipped Athlete, just working about with all tools of an athlete. Um, and it's kind of morphed into major league mindset. Um, and basically it's a two month program. We go over eight milestones really to help athletes master the mental side of the game. But I always tell them this is, these are life skills too. So it all directly translates off the field. Um, but it's, it's really to help them so that they can play free and loose on a consistent basis. Cause when players are able to play free and loose and don't have obstacles, like, um, you know, worry, doubt, fear, anxiety, stress, that's when we play our best. So help them to be free and loose. Um, so that they can unlock their physical skills and gain that true competitive edge and take their game to a level it's never been before. You know, if that means big leagues for them, great. If it means D1 college, great. Who knows? But at least they're making the most of their potential. Um, so that's really like my mission and purpose right now is doing that. Um, and yeah, I've been loving it. I am obsessed with what you're talking about in so many ways. Just it's crazy, man. And I'm I'm happy to call you a friend and and have gotten to spend as little, we didn't get to spend a ton of time together in Cleveland, but like I could tell that there was, you know, I liked you played against you a lot and, and respected your journey and and what you're doing, what you've done to get there. And um, this is awesome, man. The game needs this more than it needs anything else. And players need this. And it's crazy, man. Cause I, we deal, I'm telling you, I deal with it on a daily basis. And and one of the things that I try to help these guys realize, and, and Bobby and I had always kind of played off each other as the hitting guys, right? The yin and yang, he was the mechanics. I was the, the, the hitting guy. And I tell people all the time, I learned how to hit for 27 years before I learned swing mechanics. And when I say I learned how to hit, I learned how to fail. Like I learned how to deal with failure and the emotions that come with it. So, um, you know, I get calls every day and, this is the part that I don't think they realize. And you tell me if I'm wrong. And it's almost like they don't understand that everybody else is going through it too. 
Is that fair? Is that fair? Like they just think that they're the exception. Like they think they're the only ones. Yeah. I like to call that common humanity. I, common humanity is good for fears. Like that's a term I wish I knew when I was younger, when I was afraid to get up and speak in front of class or afraid to ask a girl out or didn't want to mess up on the field. The term common humanity, it means it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're a human being and we all have these fears. We all struggle. We're all going to get knocked down. Um, so once you realize that you're not alone and there's not just something special about you, that that's why you're struggling, it's going to happen to everybody. So the key is to embrace it. And then you can, you have a choice. You can either be a victim and say, why me and feel bad for yourself, or you can be called a warrior, a hero, whatever you want, and just say good. I don't know if you've ever seen the Jocko Willink video where he says good to literally everything bad that happens, say that. Um, but then ask yourself, I call it targeted thinking. First, accept reality, because you can argue with it, but you're never going to win. So you're going through a tough time, accept reality. Ask yourself, what do you want? Then, then ask yourself, okay, what needs to be done to get what I want? And then go do that thing. And it's just a never-ending loop. Literally throughout the day, that's I have this wristband made, what's important now. Literally throughout the day, it's what I'm doing is targeted thinking. Okay, when it comes to my family, Okay, what do I want? Obviously, I want to be a good father or be a good husband. What needs to be done to do that? Then I go do that thing. Um, so it's a long way of me saying common humanity. We're all dealing with it. Um, so you better get good at failing, especially in this game, uh, the game of baseball and the game of life, because it's going to happen. It's not supposed to be easy. Um, and then once you have that mindset and you it's either win or learn. You can cultivate that mindset of your win and you celebrate because you put the work in or you learn and you use everything as fuel for your growth. That's when you become an unstoppable force. And I call it anti-fragile. Um, basically, you have fragile where you're easily, you can break easily. Anti-fragile is a step up from resilient. You become unbreakable when everything becomes fuel for your growth. But it's a skill, just like working your mechanics of your swing or working on your arm. These are all skills and you got to work at it and it doesn't just happen. You got to be consistent with it. When you do that, then you close the gap, the ultimate gap, who you're capable of being and who you're actually being moment to moment to moment. If that gap is wide, that's where those obstacles we've talked about, fear, worry, doubt, stress, mental health, depression, all that stuff lies. If you can close that gap, you're acting like who you're capable of being, and then you continue to level up, that's where great things are going to happen on and off the field. So that's the ultimate game in life. Close the gap by expressing that best version of yourself moment to moment to moment, and then great things happen. Everything comes as a byproduct. You're collecting the ultimate currency in life, which I believe is happiness. And then when you have that, that gap closes, but it's, we also got to realize it's never perfectly because I'm saying all this stuff sure. Dude, yesterday, my kids were crazy and I did not act in the way I should have. I wasn't as patient as I should have been. What I'm trying to say is just because I'm saying this doesn't mean I'm perfect. No one's perfect, but the more consistent we can be and the more we can realize it gets back to common humanity that we're all dealing with this stuff and it's not supposed to be easy, the better off we're going to be. Um, sorry, went off on a tangent, but I couldn't agree more with you. CC. I'm so, I'm so passionate about this stuff. So I get it, man. I, I, when I do the same, I, like you've, you've shaped this and obviously uh, put in the time and energy to, 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 to really build a system around it and build a business and, and to really impact lives. And I do it indirectly through Pelotero when we talk to hitters, right? Like, so, and you're you said it much more eloquently than I could have said most of it. I think there's uh you've you've read and learned a lot more than me. I just I spew nonsense out of my mouth. When I... No, no, no. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention. Um, I learned this a while back. Emotional stamina, meaning the worse we feel, the more committed we are to what puts us in the best position to succeed. And you know, as hitters, we get in a slump. 
then we get pissed off. We do, we don't do things that we should be doing uh, to get us out of that slump. So it's like, we we're at a place where we're super confident things are going good. Then we start that downward spiral and, you know, the best of the best just are able to catch themselves and spiral back up. Um, and those are the people with emotional stamina, whether they know it or not, they have emotional stamina, meaning they do what they need to do, especially the worse they feel. Um, so I think that's a huge thing for everyone listening, emotional stamina, the worse you feel, the worse you're playing or the worse you feel, you know, off the field, the more committed you got to be to your protocol or your process or your routines, whatever it is that gets you back to where you need to be. Um, so I think that's huge too. Pretty fired up right now. I love this. I used to, uh, I traveled with the mental game of baseball, the book when I was in college pro ball, the book was with me wherever I went. I referenced that book all the time. So um, do you have any other, any other books that are really, so heads up baseball was Revisa's book. Any other go-to books that you would recommend? Yeah. So I got them two right there. Heads up baseball, heads up baseball 2.0, um, the mental game of baseball, mental keys, to hitting 90% mental by Bob Tewksbury. The other Bob um, Tewksbury. Yeah. Bob Tewksbury. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Brian Kane, Brian Kane has amazing stuff. Zach Sorensen. He's the mental guy for the Atlanta Braves former big, big league player. He is, they both have two really good podcasts. So I would recommend that they have like daily mental performance podcasts. So I'd recommend those. Um, but the good thing is nowadays, like when we were growing up, there's, this wasn't really talked about. I know heads up baseball 1.0 came out in the late, late nineties, but the mental side of the game wasn't really talked about. Um, fortunately someone recommended for me to read these books when I was, you know, going into senior year, um, with, with three previous years, not good at all. Um, but yeah, there's so much information now. So when we were growing up, you were considered soft. If you talked about this stuff, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those, I, I, go ahead. The, the crazy say, thing is you guys know this game is 90% mental at least without a doubt, you know, but players probably spend 5% of the time or less working on, especially the younger generation. Um, and as they're being told to be robots and go do a lesson and, and talk about yeah. you know, their elbow slot. <laughs> yeah. That, or they have that fixed mindset where they're like, they just think that you're born with confidence. You're born with mental toughness. You're born with that laser, like elite focus. But once I just you get we're, not creating, we're not creating critical thinkers, man. We're not creating people that learn how to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. People that, want it easy nowadays too. They don't put that hard work. Uh, not everybody, but you know, want things to come easy, right? I often. So I had a I had a follow up about. I guess going back, maybe you can describe this from your perspective or players that you work with now the, the mental stuff you can't see it like if you break your arm you're in a cast you can see it there's a problem you get dealt with the mental stuff is you can't see it and it's hard to communicate it and as chris just said you can be perceived as soft how do you recommend a player maybe if they feel like they're struggling with with stuff with confidence or feel of fear of failure how do they go about talking about it or who do they talk to they talk to their parents their coaches their teammates do they reach out to somebody like you with like a, a dm somewhere like what's the best way to start tapping into this stuff is it like maybe you get a book like what's because i think for a lot of people they they're self-conscious about it they're not sure how to go about talking about it they don't realize they can unlock all this stuff because i've said for years my vision and my mental game were the bit like my two strongest tools as a player I had I no physically I'm terrible compared to compared to you compared to other major league players. Um, 
Chris, I can't throw in that category because that's going to throw shade at him a little bit. He's a better hitter than me for sure. But the how, how do you go? How do you get into it? How do you start if you're a player? Because the stuff is can be intimidating in ways that aren't go lift the weights, go take swings. The, the physical stuff is easy. This stuff's really hard. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would just recommend, like I said, there's so many resources out there nowadays, whether it's the books we mentioned, the, the daily podcasts, um, reaching out to a mental performance coach. Um, the parents can look at the same stuff. So like with my sessions right now, I tell all the parents would love to have you guys join as well. So like on that car ride home, instead of blasting them and asking, why are you swinging at that? What are you doing? You know, I, I went to a game a couple, uh, probably about seven months ago and there's parents in the back, like telling them like when to do a leg kick or, you know, s- telling all this stuff when the kid's in the box, I'm like, Oh no, we can't be doing that. Um, so like, it's good for the parents to, to research and get knowledge on this stuff too. But I think really what it is, is you can get all this knowledge and stuff from the books, but then it means absolutely nothing if you're not applying what you learn. So knowledge is really when you simplify it and apply it, it turns into useful wisdom. So just having knowledge up here, being a librarian with this stuff, it will do absolutely nothing for you. So if you can get all this stuff and then take it you know, into the arena or take it into practice um, and really practice it every single day, like you're watering a plant, you're not going to just water it one time, you know, throughout the week, just a ton of water. You want to do little by little every single day. Um, so whether it's those books, a mental performance coach, um, man, there's Google mental performance training. There's, there's so many resources out there nowadays. Um, and just know that it's a skill that can be trained just like anything else, because we've all been blessed with the gift of adaptability and just the elite of the elite make the most of that, uh, gift of adaptability more than the others. So like you said, the physical side, you can, you can see the results, or if you're lifting weights, you can can see your muscles, feel yourself getting stronger. You're getting faster. If you're running, doing a lot of speed training, the mental side is a little tougher, but it's the exact same thing. It adapts the more you work it. Um, yeah, I like to call it going to the focus gym especially meditation. Young kids might hear meditation and think of it's for like monks in the Himalayan mountains, but meditation is probably the number one way to build those focus muscles and to get a sense of uh, energized tranquility and to be able to step inside that gap of stimulus and response. So you have a more empowered gap. We talked about closing the gap, who you're capable of being and who you're actually being. You want to widen the gap of when there's an event that happens to you, whether you make an error, whether umpire screws you, whatever it is, and your response, want to be able to widen that gap, step in and make a more empowered response. And then you're going to have a much better outcome, whether it's that rest of that at bat, whether it's the rest of the game, uh, rest of that season, whatever it is, the more consistently you can do that. Um, So I would just say, to answer your question, once again, I'm going to circle back. There's so many resources out there, so um, should be able to find something. It's funny we're talking about all this stuff and kids – kids ask me a lot. They say, when, when do you feel like you became, you know, you figured this stuff out? I said, yesterday I gave the example, I was down in Philly um, doing an event and I said, I'm 38 now. So probably in about 25 years, you know, and, and the kids like all looked at me funny. And, and I said that the biggest challenge, and I, I think what, what we understand after you run the race, it, it's you, you just come to terms with the fact that you are vulnerable. And as soon as you admit that to yourself, I think you can open up a whole new world. Right. And I, I love all the stuff that you're talking about and building and, and building tools. Right. And what it comes down to is 
the physical side is easy work. The physical side is the easy work, man. It, you guys think you're working hard because you're showing up at the gym or you're going to the I, I literally talked to a kid last week who he he has a schedule mapped out every day. He goes to goes to his hitting stuff, goes to his movement stuff, goes to his strength stuff, goes to his uh, 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 lifting stuff. Like, and all his days are packed with just do, right? And the the key within that is how do you how do you go to the place where you think? and you rationalize and you see and you evaluate and allow yourself to really ultimately, I don't think you can do anything physically without shifting your mindset. And if you don't shift your mindset, if you don't create, I'm telling you, I was the worst. I was the worst BG. In high school, I was a mess. And I love my dad to death. And he held me to certain standards that allowed me to become a guy that hit 300 in the big leagues because I was passionate about hitting 300, but I beat myself up for years. I get done games in professional baseball. If I was 0 for 8, I couldn't talk to anyone. I didn't want to go out, didn't want to see anybody. Uh, I, I just, it, I closed myself in my room and I mean, that's depression, man. Like I've, I've talked about mental wellness on the show. Like I, I literally was battling stuff that I didn't even know I was battling. I'm sure. Yeah. And it, Certainly not to the extremes of, you know, the, the way people are now, because it's just there's so much exposure. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just want so badly for young players to not hit this. They're going to make the mistakes, right? You have to make the mistakes. You can't learn it. when You said, I love the way you describe knowledge versus wisdom. And I say the same sentence. It's like you can have the knowledge. You can read it all you want. And until you admit to yourself that you are or that you're vulnerable to it, then you can't have it happen. Mm-hmm. My question is, how do you how do you get to the point where you recognize this stuff more quickly? Like, how do you how do you get to the point where you admit it to yourself sooner? Because I think that's the biggest challenge for young players. Like, they just don't admit it. And how do we get ourselves to shorten that gap? Mm, great. Is it admitting it or is it having awareness? I think there's those might be different issues like where i was gonna bring like, up the monkey mind. sometimes you get the monkey mind thing where you go down that that downward spiral and you can't get out of the loop mm-hmm. but even having awareness like you just said you were dealing with stuff that you didn't even know you were dealing with mm-hmm. what is the label for it what is it called i'm over three and i'm afraid of my next at bat versus being excited for the next at bat that type of stuff that mm-hmm. i just i just wanted to piggyback on that real quick to let brandon respond yeah, dude, I was going to say self-awareness. Um, to get back to what you were talking about, Cece, I think you said you'll, you'll figure this out 25 years from now, I think is what you said, something like that. That's spot on. I think a, you know, a good amount of athletes and some people nowadays feel like they put the work in, they should be getting the results. Um, I, but at the end of the day, we're never exonerated, no matter who we are. You know, that's why I like to approach, I was telling everyone, I tell everyone every week, every day is day one, no matter what you did yesterday, whether you succeeded massively or had a really rough day, you got to wake up today, day one, you know, think about what you can do to get better today. No, it's not going to be easy, but no, you're never exonerated. No matter what happened, we're not thinking about what could happen in the future. So I was telling day one, 
and pitch one? What can you do to put yourself in the best position every single pitch? Because, you know, that present moment focus and putting yourself in the best position every pitch is you're going to have much more success that way. So day one, pitch one, never exonerated. Um, and I think with that, you're going to have that work ethic. You're going to have that grit. You're going to be able to persevere through tough times because you know that you're never going to, it's like we have an infinite potential. We're never going to reach our potential, but if you're, you're continuing to try to level up, we talk about the gaps. All right. Then your capable gap, make that even higher, make it a new baseline and just continue to level up. Don't think when you get to a certain place, you have it all figured out. Um, I think humility is a big part of that. Realizing that there's always room to grow. Um, that was actually the first chapter I wrote in my, in the fully equipped playbook when I retired humility. Um, and, and also gratitude, attitude of gratitude helps a lot. I know I'm kind of getting off, but let me get back to your, your question. Um, I think self-awareness is huge because you can't make adjustments um, in a game or change your habits on or off the field without that self-awareness. Um, so there's three things when it comes to self-awareness, I think are critical. Your body language, your focus, and your self-talk. Those three things really overall on and off the field make up our mindset or our mental state, which ends up being our mindset. So getting really good clarity of who you are at your absolute best. Um, so like this tattoo here, Arate. It's a Greek word that means excellence, but the deeper definition is to express the best version of yourself moment to moment to moment. And so like, I'm bringing that up because if you know who you are at your absolute best, but you also know who you are when you're not going good, then you have that awareness. And then, you know, okay, um, I'm 0 for three or three strikeouts. Oh, now I'm carrying myself. I'm on the end of the bench with my head down, not cheering on my teammates. My focus is on those three at bats instead of right now. And my self-talk is just crushing me right now then you have that awareness. Okay. When I'm at my best, my body language, I'm powerful. I'm expanded. My focus is locked in right here. If I'm not hitting, it's helping, you know, the teammates, my self-talk is empowering. It's lifting me up like a mantra. I always like to have breathe, trust, compete. So when we're, when we're telling us ourselves, these things, we can't be thinking of anything else because to our brain, it's impossible to think of more than two things at a time. So really, I think having that self-awareness is a really good way. It's the start to make those adjustments and just to know that you're, you're in that downward spiral. So, so a lot of athletes don't even realize they're in the spiral and then they get to the, you can call it a yellow light and a red light when you're just beating yourself up and you're not in a good position to succeed. So I think that is huge um, too. So I'm glad you brought that up. The, the self-awareness piece is, uh, is a big one. I have a immediate follow-up. You get a tattoo. We were talking before we record, we started recording about the, uh, the wristbands, how important is having physical reminders. So I used to, in my hat, I used to write, get yours, play big mm. and play big was cause I was usually the shortest guy in the field. No, I'm not, I'm five 11 on a good day, but in terms of physical tools, I never felt like I was like, I felt like I was, I was going to win with my mental performance, not my physical, my physical mm. ability. So play big meant play like you're play like you're the man. And then get yours was just like, be aggressive, like get your hacks, be aggressive on ground balls. Like just get yours. Mm -hmm. So you had, you have a tattoo. I, I got a, my only tattoo is a smaller one right here, which for me is the Nordic symbol. That means create your own reality, which mm. I like. um, in terms of like wristbands, putting stuff in your helmet, how, are there different techniques and stuff like that beyond like, or do you have examples of that or how important is that to being able to get yourself out of those cycles mm -hmm. and into a better mindset? Huge. Cause our self-talk, that dialogue in our head 
is arguably the most important thing we have going on. And I think a study said like 74% of just human beings have negative thoughts going on. But the thing is, th the thoughts are in our control. So if we can get that down to close to 50-50 or even less than that, then we're, we're having, you know, we're talking to ourselves in an inspiring way that's going to push us forward, push us into action um, and, and put us where we need to be every single pitch. Um, so like, I was the same way with my hat. I would have breathe. I would have kiss, keep it simple, stupid, um, you know, stuff like that. Now, when I was playing, when I got traded to the Indians, um, got in touch with Mims bands, he, he makes bands that a lot of like the old school players would wear. And he would, he just asked like, what do you want to say on it? So I had the word breathe stitched into it. So literally that became my focal point. So an example, uh, 2016 world series. I remember game five at Wrigley field, or game four, I get put in, you know, I didn't start that game, go in the eighth inning on defense. And my heart was bumping that like the craziest environment I've ever been in. But then I practiced my philosophy. I went, I touched the wristband, took that deep, meaningful breath. I like to call it a big league breath. And I, really it's a magic pill. It'll increase your focus and concentration, get you back to the present moment, but more importantly, slow the game in your mind down. Um, so to answer your question, I would just touch that wristband and remind me to breathe because in stressful situations, a lot of human beings don't breathe correctly. We breathe shallow. You want to have that deep breathing using your diaphragm. Um, we don't need to get super technical, but if you have, if you're breathing correctly, it's going to help your performance without a doubt. Um, so then all of a sudden I'm doing that. And then my whole, all my focus isn't on the crowd, the environment, the millions watching on TV. It's simply, what do I got to do? Okay. If the ball's hit here, you know, thinking about different situations, but more so than anything on the batter and um, this next pitch. So having those focal points you go to, you know, I know some people, um, that I work with and other players that I played with have like a certain part in the stadium that they would always look at to bring, like create that confidence, but get them back into the moment. Um, so there's that, um, there's on wristbands, there's under your hat. If you're on with tape, you can write whatever sayings on tape. I just think mantra. So mantra means tool of the mind, having mantras or power statements. That's going to change that self-talk, that dialogue in our head and put us in the best position. And that's why like with guardian, breathe, trust, compete, and win. Uh, what's important now, you know, probably the most important question on or off the field we could ever ask ourselves. Um, that's why I created this mantra performance line because it's wristband and it's cool and stuff, but it's functional. It'll help so much. And I can't tell you how much having that breathe wristband helped when I was playing. Um, so, yeah. The, the stuff you're talking about, I, I didn't – so my first time getting to the big leagues, it was – 29 right and get called up journeys weird independent ball whatever blah blah that's well documented um and i remember the biggest challenges for me personally were every time i went to a new place or to a new team i felt like i had to show out i had to impress people right and as soon as you go to that place you you now make it about everybody else instead of yourself instead of just trusting your own skill set what got you there you have this tendency to kind of look around and make sure you're, you're doing things because you, you want your results to reflect who you are so that people judge you based on your results, not based on your, just the human, right? The, the, the guy, the, the process. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I talked, I had to go see the sports psychologist in, in Minnesota because I was miserable as a twin. I was literally miserable. I couldn't wait to get sent down. Heard multiple stories about that. 
couldn't believe how much I hated being in the big leagues because it was just different and in, in, in a bad way. I know what you're talking about. And the, the first time a sports psychologist when I was 29 said to breathe, talked about how important breathing was. We talked about uh, conscious exhales with a counting system where it was a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, 10, get to 30 basically on your exhale. So you're, you're focused on your exhales. And really for three years, I, I learned that every sports psychologist I talked to emphasized it and I never applied it. I just didn't apply it. And the first time I did it was really as I, I kind of wound down my, my big league stuff. And with my suspension, when I got suspended, it was, it was paralyzing. And I couldn't, it, the way I describe it to people is at that point in time, I was literally prepared for anything you could have done to me, meaning I could have gotten hurt. Uh, I could have sucked. I could have uh, gotten sent down and there was nothing you could do to affect me because I'd experienced it. My whole contention was, or the way I, I, I process things, I needed to live it to be able to learn it, to be able to do it. And what happens there, and this is, uh, I'm going to go on a little bit here. I, 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 I learned that I needed to, to see the details, to understand the moments to be able to get better at something right before I learned how to do it. And what I learned through my mindset stuff and through my breathing was that the situation now does not matter to me. Like what the details of the situation do not matter. Cause whatever landmine you put in front of me, I have tools like this that teach me how to slow down. And now the details are irrelevant. And because I have these tools that you're talking about, and I really applied it in my international competitions in 2018, 2019. And I played as well as I've ever played in my career. I had so little emphasis and focus on myself and my own performance, but I just learned, I, I, I was very conscious. I had a process when I was due up fourth in an inning, I would, I would sit there and start my breathing process. And I'm telling you, I've never had more clarity and fun when I was playing baseball, which was really, really cool. Um, how do you, and I guess this leads me down this path, and I want to talk more about Brandon Geyer, the, the player too, um, but how do you how do you get a player to understand that? How do you get a player to go, hey, let's not wait till we're 31 or 32. How do we get the player to say, it's not about the individual moment. It's not about this, this exact thing that's happening to us. How do we get them to just really understand, okay, this, just like anything else, is a problem. How do we deal with it? Instead of, okay, I have to deal with this problem and, and the details of it. Mm -hmm. Dude, a lot there. A lot of good stuff. I was writing notes just so I don't forget anything in my response. Um, I think, so one thing I do with players, what you're talking about, I think when you're ruthless and relentless with your process, whatever your process is, like obviously what you did to get you ready and right, is different from everybody else. So there's no the way finding out what works best for you. And that's like, my whole thing is I'll give you what worked for me working with the top mental performance coaches in the game, one-on-one, -on -one, what I learned. And then from my experiences at the big league level, what worked, but then I'll give you this stuff. You got to find what works best for you. So I think that's like the first part. Um, and then creating a process, that process for you, but no, it's not going to happen over day, over, over day. You got to put, you know, trials and errors and adjustments like, 
find out what works best for you. Um, and then that brings me back to the trust. You brought up trust. So the root meaning of confidence is intense trust, but it's not an intense trust that everything's going to go perfectly in your life. It's an intense trust that it doesn't matter anymore how it goes. Cause now you have, like you said, you have the tools to handle no matter what happens to you. But not everyone's just born with that. You, you, can, you have to build that trust and you build it by doing the things you said you would do. So with every athlete that comes through the program, I have them download this habit app, basically where I can track their habits. And the first three habits we have every day are make your bed, drink eight to 10 ounces of water and write three things you're grateful for. And then we're up to week four now. So we have like 10 habits in there, but it's little habits where you're making a commitment to do these every day and then you do them. So you're slowly but surely building momentum. And it carries over to every other aspect of life. So that's how you build intense trust and that confidence in yourself. Um, so that's huge. You talked about the breathing before every session. When, when I get on after a couple uh, housekeeping things, I run them through a big league, big league breath. You talked about the, the breath counts. Um, so Navy SEALs famously, a lot of them do like box breathing, eight inhale, eight hold, eight exhale, eight hold before they go into battle. Box breathing is good, but once again, find what, what breath count works best for you. During a game, it can't be as long, so maybe you just nice, deep inhale using your diaphragm um, and figure out what breath count works for you. We don't need to get into details with that. But so then I go from the breath to major league meditation is what I like to call it. So you're, you've already calmed your mind and your breath and your uh, body down. Then you meditate, major league meditation. I like to say invite uh a hero, a mentor, someone you aspire to be. Maybe it's a big league player. Invite them in. Surround yourself with them. What, what words of wisdom do they whisper to you? Because science has proven we're the average of the five or so people we spend the most time with. So when you get in that meditation, you can quiet your mind and slow it down. And then you invite them in. Sorry, my dog's barking right here. Um, and then, you know, list that, that, let, me, let me let him out. It's all right. We're, we're a dog friendly show. Clutch and <laughs> always like he was him. good. I don't know if you knew he was behind me the yeah, whole time. He, really he just good. poked his head out just right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so major league meditation, you, you invite them in, do that, but meditation, I know you didn't ask anything about meditation, but I want to talk about the three things that really does for you. So it's going to help build those focus muscles. Like I talked earlier, help you widen that gap between stimulus and response. And then it's going to, I always like to think about, it's going to charge you up. So think you're a battery and throughout the day, especially before a big game CC, you know, like we're at the field, we're doing all our stuff. And then, you know, sometimes we're, we're kind of spent before the actual game starts. So that's why I would always love to go in sleep rooms or just find a place to calm my mind, basically turn my mind and body off. Um, and then just think you're, you're a battery pack and you're charging yourself up. Um, and then add in some visualization and stuff there that could be powerful. Um, I think I answered your, pro I guess my answer to your question would just be process find what is your process, what works best for you, create that intense trust in yourself by doing the things you said you would do. And then it's going to build momentum um, on that field, off the field, and really help you with every single thing that you do. You mentioned something that I'd written down in the show notes about surrounding yourself with people that, that just the concept of the, the five most important people in a team setting where the culture is so important. I know, I know you do some speaking stuff with teams and organizations. What is your biggest message to a player who's struggling to create process because of the people they're around? Mm. Um, 
I would say, can you surround yourself with anybody else? Um, is there anyone else who has the same goals and, you know, is on that same mission as you is wanting to be the absolute best player you can be? Um, if not on your team, um, there's a lot of places online that they could do that um, and find somebody. Um, but I, I just think there's so many resources going back to that, that where you can find out what a good process is. And, you know, if, if that's not your coach, hopefully there's someone out there you can find that will help you um, really realize what it is that is going to make you tick and put you in that best position um, to succeed. So I don't know if I directly answered your question there, but you know, I had Jan Gomes on a couple weeks ago, then Kevin Kiermeyer. they said the same things. They just surround themselves with the people that have their same goals in mind. Um, so I think for any athlete out there, that's huge because you're going to, you're going to become really who you surround yourself with. Um, so making a point to do that. Um, and then I, like I just said, with major league meditation, all right, when you're doing the med meditation, invite all those people in who, you know, have those same goals as you. And it sounds like woo woo and stuff like that, but it's not the more you do it and you literally connect with them and they're whispering to you and they're giving you some advice and what to do. It can help a lot. Um, so, you know, does that answer your question totally? It was good. I have a follow-up. So with youth players that maybe they go to a travel team and they're not getting the playing time they want, they bounce. Uh, high school kids that aren't getting playing time, they transfer schools. The, the transfer portal in the college world is crazy right now. It seems like everybody's looking like they get into a scenario and instead of battling through it, or maybe being the change that needs to happen, they just leave. And there's certainly environments that are toxic you need to get out of. Um, I was always, as a, I was a two-time captain in high school and in college. I always felt like it was because of my work ethic and I felt like I led by example. Um, what, like, do you have any, any thoughts about like the transfer culture or the, the, the changing teams a hundred times before you're even going to college and that whole kind of like mindset of, do you stay in an environment and push through it and, and create the change or do you leave? Cause I always felt the players dictate the culture on the team way more than the coaches do. At some point the players should take over. Mm -hmm. So like you have to have that, a good nucleus that's creating that expectation throughout the rest of the team. There's like this ripple effect that starts from within the team and the players mm -hmm. and the leadership of the players that, should resonate throughout, but sometimes it's just everybody's in their own self-interest and they're, you know, they got the blinders on and it's not a good fit, not a good environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, especially with travel ball now, I, well, the main problem I saw, we were talking about the facility, you know, players up there, they're going to play on like this big name travel team just to be on it. Um, and they're not even playing. Um, so I feel like obviously at that age, you just, it's all about development, um, go somewhere where you can play. Um, so when you're, when you're talking about people leaving teams, if you're leaving a team because you're not playing and you're not getting that opportunity, I agree with that at, at a young age, it, college coaches aren't going to come to you and say, Oh, how did you play on that travel team when you were 12? Like no one cares. It's all about what you're doing now. Um, so I would say, just go to a place you can develop. Um, but when it comes to your question where they're just leaving, um, for the sake of it, um, man, it's tough. I think I'm going to go back to the self-awareness. Um, and also what I really think is the foundation of, of what I like to get over is control the controllables. Um, there's so much that we 
you know, whether it's coaches, whether it's COVID, whether it's the thoughts and opinions and decisions of other people, there's so much more out of our control than is in our control. So getting a really getting clarity of what is a hundred percent in these players control, um, and then literally just getting rid of everything else. Um, I think that can help a lot too. So realize that, you know, you control yourself and your attitude, your body language, your breathing, your process, your positive self-talk, your preparation, your effort, your energy, your emotions, that's the stuff hundred percent in your control. So I would just say ruthlessly focus on that, let go of everything else. Um, then let things take care of itself. Um, but I wouldn't just say when things are getting tough with their certain team to get out of there, like you got to be able to stick with it. I think the terminology, the definition of grit is like intense persistence or perseverance and intense passion. You got to have that grit. Um, and some people just want things to come easily. Um, but we got to realize that life in baseball is not supposed to be easy. We're supposed to all go through tough times and it's all how you handle it. And that's going to really fuel you for your ultimate growth in life. So um, control what you can control. Don't expect things to be easy. You're never going to accomplish what you want to and turn into the player and person you want to be if everything is easy for you. Um, so we got to step out of that comfort zone. So many people just want to be comfortable all the time. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Step out of that comfort zone. That's, that's where our freedom, that's where our growth is. Um, so the more we can do that, uh, I think the better off you know, everyone will be. You're awesome, man. Got to get you in uh, every clubhouse in America. It's, uh, it's fun. I certainly don't pretend to be an expert. I've lived my own experiences, and I'm in full agreement with you about all the things you're talking about. It's the challenge, I feel like, is getting – and I think it, it goes full circle kind of to what we talked about before. You have to be a critical thinker. You have to be a great – self-talker you have to be a great self-evaluator and, and those are things that i think when when the world speeds up around us and it has a tendency to do that in baseball a lot for a game that's so, so slow the game will speed up and, and the situation speed us up to to just throw these wrenches in our plan of how we're going to execute these things and how we want to do this this and this but until we we gain true ownership of self and and really what makes us good it's really really hard to do these things so it's uh it's the old simple but not easy adage right it, it, like they're all simple concepts when it comes down to it mm -hmm. like how do i how do i just prioritize what's important in my day and i think that's that's where i think the failure is right now like we only have so much bandwidth as humans and we can only get so many things done in a day and we can only use our our brainwaves or our mental capacity to, to do so much in a day. And I, I see it in young players a lot. They just go fast. They just go fast. Somebody told me one time, you know, if you watch a major league game in a high school game, the major league game looks way slower. It's just, I think major league players have, have learned a lot of these skills without even maybe a lot of them knowing that they have and because mm -hmm. they're trying to survive. And, um, Here's a question I have, right? And, and, and I think this will lead us into some of your, your own playing career. One of the things that I noticed, and, and, and this is kind of, I don't know, I could be wrong, but it seems like people's agendas change, right? Their, their agendas change. Like you play with a lot of guys that were in free, going to free agency or just signed a big contract or whatever. Did you ever notice the cultures of teams changing? Because like I, I compare the 2015 Blue Jays, to the 2016 Blue Jays, the 2014 Twins, whatever. 
Like it was almost the same team. And, you know, you had a bunch of guys who, who their agenda shifted because they were one year closer to free agency or they just signed or whatever it was. And it was like, it was a different, there were just different vibes within the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did you notice stuff like that when you were playing and when you did, like, could you impact it the way you wanted to, or, or, or did you think there was stuff that you could do to really affect it f- from a, a holistic standpoint, the, whole, the the totality of it? Yeah, dude, when you talk about that, I think of the 2016 Indians team, like we had the good mix of, of, you know, leaders and veterans, um, and then younger guys who were just super, super talented, like Lindor, Jose Ramirez, all those guys. And we went into the playoffs. We played the, the Blue Jays and then Red Sox to get to the World Series. You know, they possibly were more talented team than us, but we um, we had that we over me mentality. I think that helped a lot. Um, and just guys like Josh Tomlin and, and others stepped up big time uh, when it mattered most. So, um, yeah, and then for me, a lot of times – it was tough because, you know, you can definitely tell when uh, a team doesn't have that intention of like we over me or, or I'll put the team first before me. Because, you know, sometimes at that level, like you said, if you're uh, a year from or if it's a contract year or you're close to getting that contract or well, then you maybe you get that big contract. Now you have all this money. It could change the individual you know, players intention and desire of what they're after, maybe their agenda changes. Um, so when you have more of those guys who are just about the individual instead of the collective, it definitely hurts the team. That's why you could be the best team on paper, but if the whole team's intention isn't on the same exact goal, it's, it's very rarely those teams end up going and winning, winning at all. Um, so I would answer that to, to that question. If you want to talk more about that, we can, but you talk about the speed of the game. I think social media is a big part of that. And you also talked about bandwidth of our, of our brain and mind. Um, young kids nowadays, you know, we're on their, they're on their phones all the time. That's taking mental energy away from you. So then when you get onto the, into the game, it's hard to be able to have that laser focus on what matters right now, which is every single pitch. Um, so that's probably, I think that's a big reason, uh, why is that social media, but then also you combine the social media and you're trying to compare to other people. And then you just don't have the tools that we've been talking about. So that, that's like a perfect storm of the game speeding up and you are literally, it's hard to focus on every single pitch and put yourself in a good position to succeed. Um, so that, that jumps out to me when it comes to that. Homer, your first career at bat. I need to know what was going on. What happened? Oof. Oof. Um, so the night before in Durham for AAA, I was like 0 for 4, horrible, horrible game, made some bad errors. Um, so Charlie Montoyo calls me in the office after the game. I'm thinking he's just going to give me a day off the next day. And he's like, you're getting called up. So it was like, obviously, I did not think if I was getting called up after that game I just had. Um, got called up. It was at Camden Yards, um, the stadium really close to me here in Maryland. Um, family and friends were there. Uh Man, nervous, very, very nervous, obviously. And it came back to the breath, utilize the breath a lot. I still was nervous going into that at bat, um, but was able to utilize that energy for good um, and didn't say, oh, God, why am I nervous? Why is my heart racing? I now, oh, thank you, body. You're priming me to perform. So I kind of had tools that I used, even though I was super nervous for that at bat. Um, Three one pitch, Zach Britton hit a home run and Still can't believe it. I got the bat right there, the ball. You can't really see the ball, ball right there. Um, 
Yeah, dude, it was cool. I mean, next two at bat, you start off that good though. It's only downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> so I struck out the next two at bats and I uh, got sent down the next day. The life of a uh, professional ball player. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's, that's the funny stuff. Is like you can't. I think it, it's so easy to just get caught in the moment and the result and the tide. And you know, I, you've mentioned Revisa a couple times, and the most the easiest attachment for me and my brain was Longo to, to Ken, right? Cause Long Beach state connection, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just remember watching Longo when he first came up to the big leagues and you obviously had a chance to play with him. He, he just looked like he belonged right away. Mm-hmm. And I never, I've never watched this guy play and think that he was overwhelmed on the field or think that the game was going too fast for him. Mm-hmm. And he was the living embodiment of a player who I felt like, really just played he just played and 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 belonged there the whole time and i think that's something that i wish i i i aspire to now and to get back and go and do it all over again and uh and certainly i I, you know i i'm thankful to have come across guys like yourself in my career and and really because the tools they apply now, right? They apply now so much better. And, and the thing that I tell people is like, it's way easier now in business and stuff like that. Cause I don't have 0.4 seconds to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have much bigger windows of time to, mm-hmm. to be able to make those adjustments and, and realize and recognize that uh, I need to slow down. Um, but that's, that's awesome stuff. Uh, talk about Longo real quick. He's the epitome of the guy, especially early on in his career. You looked at him, you're like, dude, he's just playing free and loose. And I think I mentioned that earlier, but like, that's the whole intention of my program. Everyone that comes through it, give you the tools and the techniques or whatever you want to call it so that you can play free and loose. Cause you all know when we're playing free and loose, we're having more fun, less pressure, no tension, no, no worry, no doubt. We're just going out there and reacting and, and doing our thing. Yeah. Um, so free and loose is, is everything. Yeah, it's not a job anymore. It's just it's the, the game that you grew up playing. I remember this was the t- the moment that I remembered that Longoria was was the truth. I'm watching Red Sox games probably I don't know 2011 something like that early in his career. Right, first of all, he had the big homer in game 162 or whatever it was or 163. That was but, crazy. That was stupid, right? Like you're just this is like this is fake life. That whole that whole night was fake life, right? Were the you Red there? Sox literally just lost. Were you there were you in the dugout? Were you yeah, on that? Longo hit that home run. We just found out the Red Sox lost. We're like, if we win, we're in. Yeah. And he hit that bomb. Like, holy yeah. God. The, the way it played out, you guys were down. He hits a three-run homer to get it close. And the Red Sox are giving it up. And I'm watching both games picture in picture. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember another one. And I don't I don't know if you were there for this. It was a Red Sox game. And I, being a New England guy, I had the game on. And I see the down one nothing. Um, he's 0 for 3 with three punch outs coming to his last step out of the game, two outs. And I think he was facing Bard, Daniel Bard, maybe, mm. and uh, hit the bomb to tie it. So now you just turned 0 for 3 into 1 for 4 with a bomb, which is, hey, man, like what a, what a turnaround, right? Game goes to extras, punches out again in like the 11th or whatever it was, and then hits a walk off in the 13th. Uh, like th- the ability to do that is I think everything that embodies what we're talking about, right? Because if I if I had three punch outs in a game when I was 22 years old or 24 years old, I would have been ready to jump off a cliff. And, and there was a pretty good chance that my fourth at bat was going to be pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he homers to tie it and then punches again. And 
it was such a it was such an aha moment for me not that it it led to the application of any of this stuff quickly but um at least made me kind of notice that you could turn your days around pretty quickly mm-hmm. if uh if you just allowed yourself to and yeah that's, that's where it, routines come in and more specifically an in-game routine i remember working Ken Revisa, when I was with the Rays, he talked about that in his book, Heads Up Baseball, but getting to work one-on-one with him in game routine, really all about like releasing negativity so you can get back to that present moment. And just, you know, everyone listening, those 10 seconds or so in between every pitch, arguably as important as the pitch itself. So what are you doing to flush? Like what you said with Longo, how is he flushing those three at-bats? So in that fourth at-bat, when he's on the on-deck circle, he's not walking to the plate thinking about those first three at-bats. So I don't want to get the golden sombrero now. You know, he's going up there ready to do damage, but it's because he's worked at that stuff. And he's, you know, developed those tools and that mindset to do that. So having that set in-game routine, I think is everything. So I have a routine that I work with athletes called flush it routine, flush it, and then um, flip the switch. So flush it, literally anything that happens bad to you. You, I learned this from Ken Revisa too. You picture a toilet and you're literally, you learn what you can from it quick, but then you flush it. It's gone literally forever. Then you ask yourself, what's important now? What do I need to do to get ready for this next pitch? Whether it's on defense and you made an error, you know, whatever it is. So you're not thinking the next step at, Oh God, I hope this ball's not hit to me, which when I was younger, I was guilty of that. <laughs> I would do that sometimes on defense or um, big situation. I'm over three in a game. I'm like, God, I hope, hope I'm not in another big at bat, my fourth at bat. Oh God, I'm not going to come through. But then once you work on this stuff um, and you can create that confidence whenever you need it, uh, man, it changes everything. So real quick, my, my routine pre-pitch routine, Keep it simple, kiss, keep it simple stud. I kind of change it from keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple stud. Step out every single pitch, hold up my bat, look at a little speck on the bat, take a deep, that deep, meaningful breath, get back in. Then the other two things I would say, so it was three thoughts I would have. It was that deep, meaningful breath, get in slow and early, then line drive right center field. I would always have like a mechanical kind of cue or thought and then end with my final approach. Um, so, you know, players out there listening, doesn't have to be three. Maybe it's just two things, but like that at bat again, game seven, bottom of the eighth against the world is Chapman. I was going huh? to bring that up just yeah, now. So you, you can watch the highlight. I'm stepping out. I'm doing that. The, uh, my breath getting, I got down O2 to him, worked it back to three, two, and we can get into visualization. If you want that helped me a lot with that at bat too, but literally I'm just doing those three things, every pitch. So I'm not thinking about the environment I'm in or what happens if I don't come through yada, 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 biggest at bat of my life. Literally just thinking of those three things, getting slow and early to get ready on time to get to that good contact point. And lastly, my final approach where I'm, you know, looking to hit the ball. Um, so that's where in-game routine, that's what Longo was good at. That's what a lot of players are good at so that they can flush whatever bad stuff happened and get them back in the position to succeed. Um, and then real quick with visualization before that at bat. So we found out we were playing the Cubs in the world series. So literally I'm in the hotel room at home in the sleep room with the Indians or at Wrigley field, I'm doing visualization knowing as a righty hitter, I'm going to have a big at bat against Chapman at some point in this world series. It just so happened to be the biggest one was game seven, bottom of the eighth. And so I visual, I close my eyes. I would do the breathing, the meditation. Then I would end with visualization and put myself in that situation in various situations down O2 bases loaded, whatever it is. So then when I got into that situation, it literally felt like I had been there before. Um, now it doesn't always mean what you visualize is going to come to fruition, 
it just so happened to that at bat. But when I got down 0-2, I was like, okay, I've been here before. Just do your routine, Brandon. And I did my routine and came through. Um, once again, it's all about, I'm repeating myself on purpose. It's all about just putting, doing what you need to do to put yourself in the best position to succeed. Then whatever happens, especially in the game of baseball, there's so much out of our control. The only thing you should be proud of at the end of the game is you did everything you could to put yourself in a position to succeed. Right. Um, that's really what it's all about. But I, uh, it's, it's a hard concept to, to really hold on to, I feel like. But did you do everything in your power to give yourself a chance? That's what it comes down to, right? From a, Not beat yourself. Yeah. And, a lot and, easier said than done. You're right. Yeah, You're yeah. right. That's, that's why all the stuff we're talking about is uh, really, really cool stuff, man. I'm, I'm honored, blessed, happy to have you on the show and, and thankful. And so I, I, we appreciate it. It's, uh, it's awesome stuff. Likewise. Dukes, you got anything else or we're going to post-show? Let's go straight to post-show. Let's, let's uh, get into some sad news, Chris. Tom Brady. It's official. The recurring theme on the show. Tom, Chris is no longer a football fan because Tom Brady's out. Oh, no. Any closing words? You're done? You're done with football? I might not watch Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Listen, like you're on the Bengals, man. Yeah, no. Listen, guys, I like I like Joey Burrow just as much as the next guy. This guy, this guy, do it. He comes with it. He plays hard. He just, you know, he probably drinks some donkeys before the game. But like my guy, Brady's <laughs> done, and I, I don't even want to watch the games no more. I don't even care. It's just like it's, it's stupid, bro. No, I, I, my affinity for Tom Brady is. I think entirely too much. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't like football anymore. But I, I mean, it's just, the post show is supposed to be about the Super Bowl, really, and talk about who's going to win. I added Tom Brady in there. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not betting against Burrow anymore. I, like people have tried it for three straight games, and I think this guy's got a lot of the same characteristics. So, um, what do you got, BG? Winner. Prediction? Anything? Oof. Um, dude, I like Joe Burrow. Couldn't agree more. I'm going to go Bengals. Yeah. 24-21. Yeah, that's, that's a good number. I like it. And, and the kid, the McPherson kid, the kicker, is like he's like ice in his veins. Ice. It's a very uh, – That would be it, an interesting mental game study on yeah. kickers. We've oh, about dude, yes. It's eerily reminiscent of a young Tommy and – and Adam, except Tommy didn't get to chuck it as much as uh, as Burrow has early in his career. But I mean, this guy—he was all everything, and it just doesn't look like anything phases him, which is, I'm sure, very similar. And then he mentioned he ta- he's talked about McPherson openly. He's like he's different than any other kicker that's ever walked in the room. He said it out loud. I have a tweet about it out two weeks ago. He's like, this guy we knew was going to be special. I mean, he he walked in, it just confident, like didn't care and. Didn't they draft him really high? For yeah, people? it's like a, but it's a living manifestation of all the things we're talking about, right? Like that mm-hmm. guy has been in this situation 150 times in his in his mind already. I'm sure he's put in the work in that nobody sees too that yeah. is enabling him to have that confidence. Remember, that's intense trust. So he has that trust in himself, you know. So that's probably yeah. what helps. Yeah. Um, the other funny thing in the post show, I was just, I was just watching it. Uh, what do you got on like the hitting Twitter world right now? I know you talk, you mentioned social media, but this is a, a prime example. One of the things that's that's highlighted in our post show 
it's a video of Mike Trout hitting. And the, the original tweet was, I think it was, was it Matt Lyle that posted it? So Trout, yeah, Trout posted it. His dad's like doing this underhand flip to him. It's filmed in like a gym, like a wood floor gymnasium. And Trout is like, like it's filmed at the far end of the cage. His dad flips him a ball and like ducks. It's like a really awkward, like, just trust your equipment, dad. But he flips the ball, Mike hits it. And it's just like one swing that Mike Trout posted. So Matt Lyle is a very large following, posted it and like made a sarcastic comment about what, what it was like about needing yeah. recruiting help or something. Like, Anybody got any thoughts on this swing? And my friend's son needs your help. Any tips, suggestions? And multiple people didn't realize it was Mike Trout and went in on it. <laughs> One guy in particular was like, it's a pitching machine, machine work. It's not going to works when you're eight, not so much against velocity. And then Mike Trout commented on it. He, oh, came, really? in with like, he came in with the eyes. Like, wow. so this guy went in on Mike Trout, not knowing it was Mike Trout. And then Mike Trout was like, uh, that's me. <laughs> that's hilarious. I the, guy, the guy wore it pretty well. He was like, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I did that. Like, <sighs> you're obviously going to be okay. He's like, I'm the greatest player of all time. Yeah, of course I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> it's the living embodiment of today's day and age, right? People don't even know their facts before they pass judgment on things. They're just trying to be loud, man. It's, it's like multiple people have deleted their tweets in response, which is funny. Hoping the, no one the catches first person, it. He made the comment. The last part of it was balance is key. And somebody wrote, you for real? <laughs> I was like, I am. He doubled down. He goes, I am. The swing, that swing gives you one point of contact through the zone. Personally, I feel. That's uh, great. I didn't see any of that. He's going to be a 150 hitter. <laughs> it's upper, uppercut swings are outs. And then somebody goes, you realize that's Mike Trout, right? Uh, and he did a Gordon, Gordon Ramsey's guessing Twitter. Uh, just to, end, to, to wrap it up. Oh, wait, sorry. What was your question? Tell me your thoughts about hitting Twitter and, and, and the world that we're being exposed to. My thoughts are, dude, when I post, I post and ghost. I don't really look at any of this stuff. So I don't have a lot of answer. What you guys are just talking about is hilarious. I should probably do more social media, be better for marketing, but I try to stay away from that stuff. But, you know, I, I'm going to ask you, what do you think? Find trusted sources, man. Find people. That you... Post and ghost. I'm going to borrow that one. It, it, goes, it goes right back to what you've talked about this whole time you're a you're a product of the five people that you surround yourself with the most in your life and just find trusted sources vet your sources be be intentional you got to be deliberate man about who you listen to in this world because if you're not mm -hmm. man oh man like that's it, a tough it, thing kids nowadays can just go look at a guru on twitter and then they just go to the they're just trying to implement what that guy's talking about then who knows what's going to happen? The people that are looking for the magic pill, right? You're looking for you're looking for the answer that you want, not the one that you need. It's it's, it's just a little bit of everything. So I, I think having been around guys like yourself, like we all want to help. We all want to help pay it forward, man. Like you know, and at the same time, probably make a living doing it, which I think there's a there's a need for. Nobody should ever get mad at anybody for trying to make money doing the thing that they're good at, right? Like we don't get mad at Wall Street for uh making money at doing the thing that they're good at and i think there's a huge value prop to <laughs> patrick's not on the show but he just did like eh, people get mad at wall street sometimes <laughs> well 
Yeah, but like nobody, nobody, nobody gets mad at people that are good at their profession at, that are that are trying to make money doing it. Was my point? Not greed. If it's not greedy, yeah, yeah, they're I really mean, helping and providing value. Then it's but cool. another thing you were talking about, CC, is you know they're looking for the magic pill. I yeah. think they have. Everyone just needs to realize it's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. It's you got to put the work in. You've got to put the work. I have a sign right here in my office. I have a ton of them. Um, one that says it's not supposed to be easy. It's a reminder to me when I'm going through tough times looking at that. Okay, good. This is supposed to happen. What can I learn from whatever's happening? And how can I put even more work in on the most important thing right now? The one thing that is going to get me closer to my goal. How can I put work in towards that? But yeah, you're right. People look for that magic pill. There's no magic pill. The magic pill is hard work. Um, you know, what it's all about. I got some, uh, I got some of my clothes on it's, I'm going to send you a TikTok. Uh, love TikTok. TikTok might be a better audience for you. Uh, <clears throat> the phrase is choose your hard. So mm-hmm. it's just the, the post was like, marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Like having success is hard. Failing is hard. Choose your hard. So it's like this, the concept that like whatever path you choose is going to have challenges, mm-hmm. which path do you like? you get a choice about which path you have. So choose your heart. And I, I really like that one. Dude. I never heard that. I like that. I think I'm going to put that on my wall. I, I wish I could you show you guys my wall. I like to call them. I have every athlete that comes through the program signs of success. So like, uh, something you aspire to be, um, or just like, uh, the mindset you want to emulate. I literally have like 20 things on the wall here. Um, so that I can look at it every day. So it gets ingrained in the consciousness. Uh, but dude, what you just said, choose your heart. I'm writing that down. I'll be on my wall tomorrow. Send us a picture of your wall. We'll, uh, yeah, I tweeted, I tweeted about, we were recording and that it was electric. So you can reply to the tweet with the picture. Yeah. Let me see if I could show you real quick. <laughs> And then my last question, just a random one, and it ties in quite a bit. Uh, curious if you're watching any of the, the Winter Olympics and if you have like favorite events. There's so much pressure on those. Like there was a, a some uh, woman skier. Jamie uh, Anderson. Is that who you're talking about? Uh, I don't remember her the name. snowboarder who's going for like three in a row. Uh, this was like a downhill slalom. Okay. I don't know what event, but she won gold and she was like 100% expected to win. And she fell in her first race. So she's out just ah. like devastated. Um, Sean White won the half pipe in his final run ever. He retired. It was very, it was known that he was reti- retiring his last run. He, he was in the first place uh, for the qualifying. So he had the last run and had to score whatever to win his last run ever. He won gold medal, which wow. is epic. I think it's, Dude, I didn't know that shows you how, so how much to touch I am with current pressure. events. Um, so was that last night? Uh, I don't know if it's been aired on TV, but it was on social. I saw it on social. The Olympics are, I was thinking about this. You imagine four years. Yeah. And then the speed skaters, they get in their qualifying round and the 500, like you imagine speed skating, you're on the literally like razor thin blades. Oh yeah. They're like sticking out their thing to try to get it. There was, I watched a 500 qualifier the other night. Uh, and, and literally there were like eight passes in the race and 500 is like eight times around one of those short laps. And the girl at the end was like, yeah, you usually don't see that much passing. And I'm like, man, oh, man, this is – can you imagine – that's that's probably pressure, right? Like you build up pressure. four years. Mm-hmm. I saw a mixed, a mixed relay for speed skating. I was watching that too, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. like a little like 
a little thing in the middle where they're just like circling. Yeah. Waiting. It, yeah. Was yeah. Like nice. it was they did, a, they did like a little uh diagram showing what it does and now yeah. i was like okay now i understand what those people are doing in the middle there they're just they're just going around so roller they derby on ice out, they pop out and then the person shoves them to get yeah them it's crazy yeah a hundred years from now it'll probably be like the hunger games you'd be you'd, you'd use the blade to like you know it's slit somebody and i don't know I feel like curling curling is a sport that would require curling. a lot of mental a lot of mental focus i mean they all do i've like the snowboarding ones i'm sure they just get in a flow once you get down once you have some speed going you probably get in the moment mm-hmm. talk about mental and breathing the uh the event that they're skiing and then they have to shoot yeah. imagine yeah. how tired you are when you're shooting Oof. biathlon yeah it's biathlon. Heart, going crazy. Biathlon? You're probably pulsing dude yeah it's yeah um yeah so the, i don't know if you guys can see this but this is the picture behind my wall oh it's excellent yeah uh, it might not be clear i can text it to you but um yeah but, but it's just like you i would say you're probably as close to being a zen master at all this stuff and you need your reminders too it's just a it's a never help. no we're never exonerated man healthy yeah. healthy you reminder can, man. yeah you can get rusty no matter what you're doing right healthy reminder to everyone dude this has been awesome i i appreciate you man thanks for taking the time and yeah it's excellent i uh i'm gonna push this to Every every college hitter that's getting ready to start their season needs to hear all this stuff and you know lead you to. I'm gonna point them all to you and because I my messages probably get tired anyway. So I can imagine I can only imagine how annoying it is to listen to me. You had to deal with it for one spring training and by the end it was probably. Yeah, I lucked out only one year with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's been a pleasure and honor, guys. So thank you. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, you're doing good work too. This is fantastic yeah. stuff, and more people need yeah, to. We need to. We need to talk more about collaboration. But on that note, for now, 